We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by DraftKings.com. It is Thursday, April 5th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. This is our final uh, scheduled podcast for the NBA season. So we kind of go as the NBA regular season schedule goes. So we have six days, I believe, uh, left in the season. Next Wednesday, uh, April 11th is the final day of the regular season. No games Thursday, Friday, uh, and then the playoff slate kicks off on that Saturday. So no more weekly podcasts from you and I. Um, I think Alex and I will keep recording on Tuesdays, but as the draft gets closer, as the draft combine gets closer uh, next month, we'll, we'll start doing more of that, uh, and that'll continue over the summer. Uh, but first, on this day, 10 years ago, April 5th, 2008, Carmelo Anthony had 47 points in a loss to the Sacramento Kings. He was outdueled by Kevin Martin, who had 36, and Francisco Garcia. Mm who had 29. So there weren't really any good birthdays today. I thought I'd sub it in with that. Um, Francisco Garcia was someone that I loved at the college level. I mean, he was, he was kind of in that same era as, as Salim Stoudemire, uh, contemporary uh, of guys like that. Has, when's the last time he's even played in the NBA? He might've been a little bit ahead of his time as just kind of a, <clears throat> a three point shooter who could play multiple positions. Right. I don't remember how good of a defender he was. He, yeah, I was going to say he would be a three and D guy, but he wasn't really a D. He was just, a he, was three. Just kind of a <laughs> he was a three and that was about <laughs> just, it. Like he came like out a, of Louisville yeah. as a sharpshooter. He shot like 37% cumulatively as, as like a three year starter at Louisville. Uh, didn't, didn't shoot all that great as a rookie with the Kings, uh, 29%. Uh, but after that, he was basically in the mid to upper thirties for the rest of his career 
And yeah, like you said, I mean, this was in an era when, I mean, he was shooting 39% from three in his third NBA season. Uh, it was only taking like three and a half threes per game, which at the time was probably a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think he would have been a lot more effective in 2018 than he would have been in 2007. Yes, I, re- I remember him fondly. Can confirm. Okay. Um, all right, a few things to get to. Uh, I want to talk Darius Basley. This news came out, I think, on Friday of last week, so we didn't get to touch on it uh, right away. But he's a top 10 recruit in the 2018 class, had been committed to Syracuse. Um, and he ended up now announcing that he's going to go directly to the G League, uh, decommitted, of course, from Syracuse. Uh, and, and the difference between Basley and guys like Brandon Jennings or Emmanuel Moutier, or if you want to go all the way back to like Jeremy Tyler, who I think did this like almost 10 years ago now, um, you know, Basley, it's not like he wasn't eligible. Like he was going to go to Syracuse. There were no issues there whatsoever. There really wasn't any doubt, you know, with Jennings and Moutier, especially, and, and Terrence Ferguson there was kind of this cloud of doubt as to whether they'd end up being cleared, and, and certainly that influenced their decision. Uh, and obviously the other glaring difference is that Basley's going to the G League rather than going to Australia or Italy or, or wherever. Um, I, I don't know necessarily that this is going to be the start of a big trend. You know, uh, I, I read a, a piece on this over the weekend that suggested that it, it's going to take like a group of guys to do this. You know, you're going to need like three top prospects who say, you know, screw college, we're going to the G League. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, this is a step in the right direction, I guess, if you're, if you're the G League, certainly, because this is a type of, of thing that I think the NBA kind of wants, you know, long term for this to right. be more of an option, for this to be a pipeline. Um, but, uh, I mean, Basley's going to make, what, like 30000 I think, next year. Not life-changing money, but still thirty thousand more dollars than he would have made well. in one year at Syracuse. We think <laughs> at least twenty-five thousand more than he would have made uh, at Syracuse. So this is going to be interesting. I mean, it's a story that's probably not going to be covered all that much over the summer, but it'll pick back up. You know, when the G League season starts, and it's just it's fairly unprecedented. He'll play, he'll be eligible for the G League draft, and then he'll basically play as a free agent in the G League next year. He won't be eligible to be called up for an NBA team or anything like that. Uh, and assuming all goes as planned, he'll then enter the 2019 NBA draft just like any other prospect. So um, I guess how big of a deal is this to you? Like, Is this something that we're going to see more often? Uh, I, you know, I just think I, I wish that more players, my hope going forward is that more players just kind of consider all the options and just do whatever they think is best for them. I don't want... I don't want players to have to feel like I have to go to college. Like that's my only way into the NBA. There are a lot of ways you can do it. You can do the D uh, the G league. You can do uh, overseas. You can just kind of sit out the year and work out. You can go to college if, if you're into that. And uh, I mean, there's just a lot of ways to do it. And we really haven't seen many people push the different boundaries of what you can do. I think the NBA, like you, you nailed it with, like the only way people are going to really care about the G league is if it turns into sort of a prospect league where like kind of the way that minor league baseball is where you're seeing, you know, in each game you might be seeing like two or three guys that could be first round picks in like next year's NBA draft. Like then all of a sudden interest to me would, would really go up in the G league product because instead of watching guys that just couldn't make an NBA roster, you're watching guys that just chose not to go to college and still have a shot to be top 10, top 20 picks. So I think that that part of it's interesting. I definitely don't think 
it's going to be a big trend that all of a sudden gets going here just because I think you can make a pretty good argument that it would be more fun to go to a good college program and go to like 20 classes and not really try and play basketball there and like hang out with all the girls and go to the parties and that type of thing. Like that is probably more fun and you probably aren't missing out on more than like 10, 20,000 bucks. So like saying there's not these like super hot groupies (laughs) that hang out around the Reno bighorns. I mean, I'm sure sure, like you'll be able to do okay, but like it it might not be the same as like being uh, Marvin Bagley at Duke or Andrew Wiggins at Kansas or something. Yeah, I think you'd rather tell a girl like, yeah, I'm I'm a first team All American at Duke than like I was the player of the week for the uh, Lakeland Magic. Well, like at Duke, you you don't have to tell anyone anything. They know who you are. Like with the Reno Bighorns, like they might. If you guess it in Reno, they might look at you and say, maybe he plays for the big horns, yeah, but they, they're not going like, to be like, profile <laughs> yeah, like it's not like you're not having like a bunch of girls coming up to you. Like you're saying like, oh, I love the game oh, the other night. You know, the biggest Reno big horns. <laughs> um, and the thing with Basley too, if you read, he wrote up a, a big piece in the player's tribune explaining his decision. And I think money was part of it. You know, he mentions he has, you know, six siblings and money is relatively tight, but I don't think. I don't think this is like a quick cash grab. I think it's something that he's thought about for a long time. And, you know, clearly up until last week, he was committed to Syracuse. Um, I totally I, I totally respect any young player's desire to, like, not give their services to, like, a school for free. Like, I mean, I, right. I understand, like, it's, it's got to be kind of a tough thing when you just know, like, the school's making all this money off of you being there and you're not getting anything out of it. So, like, it, as just a matter of principle, I totally mm-hmm. would get that. I think for me, it would be more appealing uh, just to kind of go for the experience over going to the G League. But I would actually probably even prefer to do the the Europe thing or the Australia thing uh, just for that experience. But um, I mean, there's just there's a lot of ways to do it. I think that more and more it's going to kind of gradually get to the point where, say, like the top 20 prospects in a class, maybe 15 of them every year go to college mm. and then maybe five do some do like a right. random we'll, different other we'll stuff. get to the point where this almost becomes like the replacement for the one and done because you know the issue with the one and done was like you know people were arguing that it would ruin college basketball but you can rewind to like oh five and look at the recruiting rankings it's not like the top 30 players in, the, in mm-hmm. high school were just going right to the nba it was really only five or six and certainly there were guys you know who you know monte ellis comes mm-hmm. to mind <laughs> travis outlaw guys like that who who left and probably maybe would have been better off going to college for a year or two. Um, and I think we'll kind of start to see this as well. And I mean, for the G league, this is a huge get, I think ideally you'd probably rather it be someone who's maybe a little more high profile. Um, but you'll, you'll take what you can get at this point. Uh, I don't think like attendance wise at these games, it's really going to move the needle whatsoever, you know, Oh no. let's say, you know, if he goes and plays in Reno or Fort Wayne, like nobody in Fort Wayne, Indiana is going to come out to see, this kid that they've probably only heard about if they're really big into college basketball no. and big into recruiting. But you start to get more of these guys, I think it becomes it becomes really big for the business of the G League because people like you and I and you know basketball fans are gonna want to see this guy play. We're not gonna go to Fort Wayne, Indiana to watch him play, but we would, you know, watch him play on a live stream that's a little more available than it's been in recent years for the G League. Yeah, there's no there's no bonus in terms of money at the gate to be gained right. here unless unless you're getting just like the if top Zion recruit Williams was in the g league yeah it would be. but like when i when i go to like minor league games it doesn't it has zero 
the, the quality of talent on the field has no bearing on like the amount of people in the stands. They're just going regardless of who's playing in, in most cases, if it's Tim Tebow yeah. or like, I mean, any something like that, that it's any different, minor league but, team will tell you that it's a, yeah. it's a business first. It's an entertainment company first because the rosters are so fluid. And yeah. I think baseball is probably more emblematic of any other sport. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's going to take someone like a Zion Williamson, you know, a huge name like that who carries weight with fans, you know, 12 through 50. He does carry weight. He does carry. He looks skinnier. <laughs> he does. He did look you skinnier. Admit, I, my Jason Maxiel comp. Oh, it, I think it's still in play. It's still in play. <laughs> but he definitely, whatever he did, he, he cut weight, as they say. He did. I'm still... Uh, I'm still a little skittish. I think that team is going to be one of the most fun college basketball teams. Duke, of course, we're talking about in a really long time because you put that type of collection of talent together, it's it's going to be really fun. But I uh, I don't know that Zion Williamson is just going to be windmill dunking all over everyone in the ACC. I'm really I'm yet to see him take a jump shot. And I watch a lot of Zion Williamson videos on Twitter, and there's there's just not a lot of evidence that he uh, shoots the basketball ever and i saw i saw him take like at least one or two when he was warming up uh <laughs> and like somebody posted like a, a gif to twitter of like a yeah. slow-mo zion williamson release and it just looked gorgeous i mean it looked like he he could play at uh roto hoops i mean with a, with a j like that jeez um i i always go back and we've talked about this before that video of willie collie stein right before the draft it's like <laughs> hey willie collie stein didn't shoot threes in college but He's learned. He has taken 16 career three-pointers in three NBA seasons. So uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to see it happen in-game before we get too excited. Um, real quickly, national title game. Don't really want to talk about the game itself, but looking at the draft implications. Uh, first, a guy who played in the Final Four but did not play in the title game, Malik Newman, has officially entered the draft. I don't believe he's hired an agent as of today, but all indications are that he'll be gone. He was a guy that was, I think, pretty close to 50 50 if not leaning toward probably coming back before playing as well as he did um you know in the elite eight and in the final four he was really kansas's best player for most of that tournament um and he's a little bit older too i mean he's listed i think he's a redshirt sophomore but he's actually the age of a junior since he transferred from mississippi state um so not really a guy whose stock had all that much room to grow i mean i kind of like malik newman as a as a late first rounder good size good defensive profile, good athlete. I mean, to me, like him and Raleigh Alkins are the same. Well, does he, he has the size to be a good defender, but does he like, is there any evidence that he's actually going to be a good defender? Like, I don't think he's a bad defender. I I get kind of, I get sort of like Jamal Crawford vibes from him. I think he's a lot thicker than Jamal Crawford though. Although he's only listed at six, two, I would have guessed he was bigger than that. Yeah. To me, I, I just sort of think he's got that kind of, scorer off the bench type of profile where mm-hmm. i don't expect him to play a ton of i mean kansas was awful defensively all season like and but that's not all on him but like they it's didn't have just big guys still Other than as a I mean, rookie, it was like if he was in foul trouble which every game i watched he said yeah. he's like always following out with two minutes left um yeah i mean there's you look at this draft I and mean, we've been harping on it all year it's very top heavy so top obviously heavy. and even I mean, even in the last year, I feel like we felt pretty good about like we knew like out of we could name like 40 players and be like, all right, out of this 40, we can pretty much say 30 of these guys will go in the top 30. I don't like after you get to like your Lonnie Walkers, your Robert Williams, your Gary Trent guys in like the late teens, I, I, you really can't predict who's going to go like 20 to 30. There's a very large group of players that it's, it's ultimately going to depend on. You could preference. like you could be picking 
30 and very easily get the 16th best player on your board or like yes. pick pick 40th and get the 22nd best player on your board. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's going to be just all preference, like all individual team preference on all those picks outside of the top 12 or 13. Yeah. And in some ways, um, you know, that reminds me of the 2016 draft where like, you know, you got to Pirtle at nine, maker at 10, Sabonis at 11. And then after that, it was you know, like Papa Giannis went 13. Mm -hmm. That was out of nowhere. Like Denzel Valentine went 14. I know some people had him as a late first, yeah, Buscelle, like Wade Baldwin. It's mm -hmm. just kind of this big grouping. I remember I, I don't know where you. So had all it. bad players, more or less. Yes, yeah. so, <laughs> oh, I remember mocking. That is that is reminiscent of this draft. <laughs> I, I remember. I think I went uh, two for thirty in that one and predicting oh. where guys were going to. Is that the Bryce Johnson one? Because I nailed the Bryce Johnson to the Clippers. That pick. Uh, that was the Bryce Johnson nice. one. Yes, and yeah. I remember having Demetrius Jackson going like eighteen to Detroit. <laughs> I remember like and two he went years forty five. I remember like two years ago before that draft, like I was doing, I was still like writing articles every week about the NBA. And I, I remember writing about years like, ago. I remember like writing about Wade Baldwin and Demetrius Jackson. Like I, <laughs> I, I spent a good two to three hours on a piece where I really just broke down Wade Baldwin and Demetrius Jackson. Like that's we're talking about this guy for the next 15 years. <laughs> that's like important stuff right, right there. I would say if there's one thing and you know, it's not like we're sitting here doing this 365 days a year, but if there's one thing that I've learned in, in covering the draft and writing about the draft, it's that like, I, you just can't be excited about everybody. It's really tempting to just mm -hmm. focus on strengths. It's like, Ooh, like, it's like well, yeah. he did average 16 a game over his last five. And like, you just got to realize, like, no no draft features 30 good players in the first round or even, yeah. like, 15 You, you can almost just kind of figure out who your, like, 10 or 12 favorite players are in the draft, mm -hmm. and that's really Harp all. on those guys really, really hard. It's really all you need to worry about. Right. And, uh, you know, you'll at, when we go to the combine, there's always, like, a couple guys that emerge, like Kyle Kuzma last year, where mm -hmm. you weren't really thinking about him, and then all of a sudden they were a guy. But it usually, the guys that we are talking about all season in that sort of... 12 to 30 range just it's not really even worth discussing them that much right i mean i was looking at a mock the other day that had svi mikhailuk going 30 and then like javon carter going like 45 or 50 mm -hmm. and like that's a situation where if carter ended up going 21 it wouldn't be that surprising if he ended yeah. up going 55 it also wouldn't be that surprising there's just a lot of a lot of hit or miss 50 50 guys at the end of the draft but i wanted to ask you about villanova if you're jalen brunson do you go if you're DiVincenzo? Do you at least test the waters? Go to the combine? I feel like you have to, right? Especially for DiVincenzo. Like I don't, I can't imagine your oh, stock getting too much higher. Well, I would. I assume all these guys are going to go to the combine. I mean, have, should, you have yeah. nothing to lose by doing that. Uh, I think Brunson should go. I think that he's pretty firmly going to be a, a top forty pick or so. Yeah, and. Like he's he's accomplished a lot in college, uh, he's pretty well skilled right now. So I, I don't I don't see any reason why he would come back. Uh, but DiVincenzo, I think it kind of comes down to does a team do you get any kind of assurances that you're going to go sort of in the fifteen to twenty five range? Like if if a team if you if your agent tells you like yeah you're going to go like in this range in the first round then you probably have to strongly consider it. But he probably has more to gain by going back. I mean, he, he could end up being a first-team All-American next year if he goes back, and he could – like, I don't yeah. – I think when you're a player like DiVincenzo, 
you're not going to hurt your stock really by going back. Like, unless you get hurt, like you, you're just, you're, you're really well, you're, you're skilled. Like it's, it's not like a scalabissier or like, uh, uh, what's his face for the, uh, for Duke, who is like the, their, th- their third center this past year. Ryan Zubek. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, uh, no, I don't um, even know. Bolden. Yeah. Like it's not, you're not like, uh, a McDonald's all American who kind of, struggled in his first right. college season and if you go back and you really suck like your second year then you're just going to be kind of a non-prospect at that mm-hmm. point whereas like DiVincenzo he would have to suffer some sort of serious injury I think for his stock to right. to not just kind of stay where it is well, or at least go is, up. it's not like his stock is top five pick no you know? it's like what is it now like maybe late first at best and, and it's like there's not all that much to lose. and how many teams have such a fluid board that what he did in that title game moves him up like 10 spots. Like I got to assume that he was probably in most teams kind of like 40 to 60 range coming into that game. Maybe now he's sort of in the 30 to 45 range, but like, I just don't see, I I think if he goes back and he's got a really high usage, maybe improves on his efficiency a little bit, then he could enter next year's draft as a high likelihood, top 20, top 25 pick. And that's, and and he could be one of the best players in the yeah. country. So I think he's got a lot of incentive to go back. Yeah, he has potential to to show more. You know, right. he was basically the third option for. I mean, he was even starting for this mm-hmm. team. So he can show more. Spellman, I think, is kind of in that same boat. Although with Spellman, you kind of know what he is. Like he does have a little bit of shooting range, which is nice. Um, and you know, just being comfortable shooting that at, at his profile uh, is interesting. But I mean, I didn't realize how crazy of an athlete he is like he's got like amari stoudemire dunking type of type of potential obviously he's not as skilled as amari he's not as big as amari but that frame with that athleticism is intriguing um although it's not exactly a you know what you would call like a prototypical nba frame no any he's he's, I mean, a, he's undersized he's a little undersized height wise he needs to to trim up a little bit with brunson i mean like if i'm Jalen brunson like the idea of coming back and having like a pretty good shot to go to a what would be a third final four in four years is interesting. Um, but uh, you know, you've already won two titles. Like at what point does that, does that get old? I don't know if it would get old. He's somebody though, that like, if he comes back, he's not, he, he has nothing to gain. Like all yeah. he, if anything, he gets a year I, older. I think you're might, when, he, when you're in his position by going back, all you're really doing is denying yourself a year of earning power. Like you're, 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 you're not, you're only going to get so many years in the NBA next year can be one of them right or, and if you choose for it to not be that doesn't mean you're going to have an extra one on the back end of your career yeah well and like even if he came back and averaged like 2010 and like had like this insane season you know he turns 22 in august so he would basically be 23 before his rookie nba season like even if he had the best possible year i think teams would still hold it against him that he would mm-hmm. be two or three years older than the ideal prospect that you would take in round one so i think he's gone villanova will still be fine um, but we'll see more and more of these uh, in the coming weeks leading up to the Combine. All right, let's take a quick break so I can tell you about the FCFL, which is, of course, the fan-controlled football league. If you love drafting your fantasy team, imagine drafting a real professional team. The FCFL is bringing fantasy sports in Madden franchise mode to a real football field. Fans will scout players, draft rosters, hire coaches, and call plays all in real time. You can even pick the team's name and help design its logo. These are real teams with real athletes. The FCFL will feature eight professional teams playing a full season of fast-paced indoor football in a high-tech production facility built for a digital audience. 
If you'd like to learn more about the FCFL, go to www.fcfl.io. You make the decisions by fan vote, and your voting power comes in the form of fan tokens. You earn fan tokens each time you vote and engage with the team. The more tokens you acquire, the more power you have. To learn more about fan tokens, visit fantoken.network today. News this morning, Kyrie Irving done for the season. Not all that surprising, uh, considering we really hadn't gotten any updates since the surgery. Um, and, and, you know, you can go all the way back to, I think this was, I don't know, January, February, when that report, you know, snuck out that Kyrie had like used this potential knee surgery as leverage in the, in the deal that ultimately got him out of Cleveland. And, you know, I think a lot of people just read that and were like, oh, wow, that's a, a shrewd move by Kyrie's camp. But then it like, it kind of hits you like, wait a second, does he actually need knee surgery? Lo and behold, a month later he gets knee surgery. Um, and it turns out it's a little more severe than, than initially anticipated. I was not really expecting him to be back for the first round, but I think the thought was if they can survive Washington, Milwaukee, Miami, whoever that seven seed ends up being, you know, Kyrie maybe comes back in round two and then all of a sudden things look a little bit different, but now, uh, now I think as we move into the final week uh, of the season, we're going to see Milwaukee, Washington, and Miami. Like you want to play Boston, I think in round one. As good of a coach as Brad Stevens is, as scrappy as the rest of that roster is, and there's still plenty of talent even without Kyrie and Hayward. You would much rather play Boston than Toronto, uh, and certainly than Cleveland, the way that they've been playing. Yeah, I I think a lot of the stuff that Brad Stevens does in the regular season isn't as useful in the postseason when you have the other team at full strength fully scouted up and everything like that uh so yeah i think that they would be a a dream matchup in the first round for one of those teams at the bottom i mean how how often do you get to be the seven seed and play a team that's as kind of dismantled as that Celtics team I mean it's it's kind of a prime opportunity for an upset well it's easy to forget about Hayward too it's like you know that was so long ago now that like their team is just what they have without Hayward and like even with that loss you know if you you go into a series going against Kyrie Jalen Brown Tatum Morris slash Baines and Hayward and Horford you know that's still about as good of a starting five as you're going to get in the east um I mean, it's going to be really interesting now. Uh, you know, Milwaukee beat Boston, a severely shorthanded Boston team the other night. And, and now Milwaukee is tied for Washington or tied with Washington, I should say, for the seven and eight spot. I don't I don't know that we're necessarily going to see teams like go way out of their way to maneuver just because everything is so close. I mean, Indiana is basically locked in at the five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toronto is pretty much locked in at the one after they beat, again, a shorthanded Boston team last night. Boston locked in at the two. Cleveland could very well be the three or the four. Same goes for Philly. They've won 12 in a row. Um, and Cleveland's nine and one in their last 10. Um, I think I see. I think you are going to see the Miami Washington Bucks trio try to maneuver a little bit because it's just so much better to be the seven seed than it is to be the eight or the six seed. Like if you if you're the eight or the six seed, and I mean maybe Washington thinks they could beat Toronto in a series. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know, but like I think they do. <laughs> they're not going to beat them. But like the, any of those teams gets beat by Toronto in the first round. Any of those teams probably get swept by the Cavs in the mm-hmm. first round. And any of those teams could beat Boston in the first round. So I I think that there's a ton to be gained right. by getting that seven seed. But that if we're not to that point yet, you want to keep trying to win. 
and then when there's like two games left, mm-hmm. then you can kind of look at things and kind of say, well, right. like, eh. well, the nice thing is the eight teams are finally set. So like for a while there, there was yeah, this like you can't wildly, play yourself out, yeah. right? There was this wildly like unlikely potential going into last night still that Milwaukee or Washington could fall out with Detroit, you know, winning out and uh, with Detroit losing last night, that's fully off the table. So no one can at least back their way out of the playoffs. So we'll, maybe we'll see some creative lineups. The other thing is three, four with Cleveland and Philly uh indiana's a pretty appealing opponent i think for both of those teams um i I almost think cleveland would rather play indiana than miami washington or milwaukee i don't think i actually i kind of agree with that i think that they to me is just like a yeah easy play and and the fact that you're you're getting home court against them not that that really matters all that much so so yeah i mean maybe it's maybe it's beneficial if uh you know if the Cavs. I mean, the, the Sixers are already kind of like theoretically accidentally tanking with the Embiid thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, the, I think unless the Celt- or unless the Cavs go to lengths where they're, I mean, the Sixers have not been tanking. They've won 12 in a row, no, but like, not by any means, uh, they should be, they should be losing games without Embiid, but they're not. And, uh, I mean, the Cavs, if they just wanted to sit LeBron for the final two games of the season, then that, that might help them. But I don't see that happening either. I, I don't know if you heard, but he's going to play all eighty-two. Okay, uh, which is now a media narrative, despite LeBron himself bringing that up like a hundred times throughout the season. Now, as of like Tuesday, it's now the media that's brought it up. The other thing with that though is you start to look ahead. Like I think getting the four is really appealing because you get to play Indiana, but then that also means you get Toronto in round two. Whereas if you're the three you get Miami, Washington, or Milwaukee, and then you would get the winner of one of those three teams versus Boston in round two, which in my mind, I I think in the mind of LeBron for sure is like a free pass basically to the conference (laughs) finals. But where it becomes really interesting is let's say, let's say uh, Philly, I think Philly plays Cleveland on Friday. Uh, Let's say Philly finishes at three, Cleveland finishes at four, and you know, we'll just, let's say it plays out at it. So Philly plays Miami, um boston plays washington toronto plays milwaukee and then cleveland plays indiana cleveland would then get toronto in theory in round two philly would then get the winner of boston washington which if if cleveland and toronto which are the two clear favorites vegas wise and in the minds of most i think in the east if they're playing in round two you know that means philly has a really good shot all of a sudden you know if we don't really believe in this version of boston to be in the conference finals against one of those teams yeah, I mean the the three seed is basically it's a lock. It's a, it's a lock almost to get to the conference finals. Right. So that's that's a nice position to be. Right, I think so. And I think even if you're like Miami or Washington and you finish six and you go up against Philly, like the way Philly's playing right now, and you know probably getting Embiid back. Like I'm not saying you want to play them, but they're the most unproven of any of these teams. And like you wouldn't feel horrible, I don't think, going into that series. Um, so I don't, I don't think the East is necessarily wide open, but with Toronto looking significantly more vulnerable with Cleveland, you know, Cleveland and Toronto to me are, are still the, the wide favorites, but if they play in round two, um, it at least opens up the possibility for, for some kind of new blood, I guess, in, in the Eastern conference finals. All right, let's take another break. So I can tell you about DraftKings. We are still offering the free six month RotoWire subscription to new DraftKings users. If you'd like to take advantage of that offer, all you have to do is create a DraftKings account and make your first deposit of at least $10. That'll get you that free six-month RotoWire membership. You'll also receive a free $3 ticket for a one-day fantasy sports contest. 
and that will be deposited right into your new DraftKings account. Just go to DraftKings.com slash RotoWire-2018 to sign up and claim your free subscription today. It's never too late to try DraftKings for the first time this season. There's still six days left. Uh, DraftKings will be running contests into the playoffs, as has been the case the last couple of years. Over 500000 in prizes guaranteed each night. Drafting a team is very simple. Just pick eight players, fit them under the $50,000 salary cap, and you get points for assists, points themselves, rebounds, blocks, etc. Just like season-long fantasy, but just condensed into one day. Again, visit DraftKings.com slash RotoWire-2018 to sign up and claim your free subscription. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card, get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Out West, I mean, it's as much of a mess as ever. Houston is going to end up running away with the best record, which I know you and I talked over-unders a while back, and we were very wrong on Golden State. Uh, I don't even want to chalk it up to injuries because it's like, I mean, they were really good. I think I heard today they were 40-10 and 10 when Steph played, but I think I thought they would lose 10 games total the entire season. And even when, even when they were healthy, they didn't, they were going like 75%, yeah, and you I, can't blame them. I just sort of forgot how easy it is to kind of go through the motions when you're not really playing for anything right yeah i i underestimated how little golden state would care this year yeah i think i just thought that they would even i thought they would care like 85 mm-hmm. percent and even that with with decent health would get them to 70 wins yeah. but they only cared about 65 percent and right. didn't have decent health so here so <laughs> so Denver plays Minnesota tonight. That'll be a super fun game to keep an eye on. That's on national TV. I don't even want to talk about the re- like four through you know nine basically, and even ten if you want to go with the Clippers. They're only two back of the eight. That's all up for grabs, and it's going to change day by day. Um, it's really not worth kind of sussing out to me right now. But I do want to talk briefly before we wrap up. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. This is becoming more and more clear that he's not going to be back. I mean, technically he could just return in in the playoffs that would be relatively unprecedented although this whole situation is relatively unprecedented um and there really hasn't been concrete reporting so a lot of this is somewhat speculative but it does seem more and more likely that the possibility of him being dealt is is out there you know that would have seemed crazy four months ago and it's gotten like less and less crazy with each passing week um and i think the obvious the obvious team and it's really the obvious team anytime a superstar becomes hypothetically available because of the treasure trove of assets is boston so i mean in addition to their own picks in addition to having tatum and brown and other you know rosier young players who are tradable they will not get the 
Lakers pick this year unless the Lakers jump up in the lottery which the way they're playing and not really tanking and will probably win two or three more games this year probably not going to happen um so assuming that's the case that pick then rolls over which means that Boston next year in 2019 will get the more favorable um of either Philadelphia's pick or Sacramento's pick and I think it's pretty safe to say that's going to be the Kings pick but the caveat is if the Kings get the number one pick next year that pick goes to Philly. If it lands anywhere else, it goes to Boston, unless the, the Sixers are somehow worse than the Kings, which would be catastrophic. So very good chance that Boston ends up with another top five pick in 2019. Then you look ahead, they have Memphis's pick in 2019, protected one through eight, protected one through six the year after, and then completely unprotected uh, the year after that. So multiple future assets, which are, in my mind, close to as valuable as some of these Brooklyn picks, if not more valuable, um in addition to the young assets that are already on the roster so boston is very much in position to strike on this Kawhi deal i just don't know what it would take obviously the spurs asking price is going to be high it's just going to be a matter of what they can kind of talk them down to yeah and they're going to have competition so right. it's it's not like they can just sort of lowball and get them like it's gonna there are going to be teams i mean we saw what uh, okc gave up for paul george last year uh, I mean, it definitely looks a lot better now than it did at the time, but uh, the Pacers obviously thought it was going to be pretty good, so it, it wasn't like they were just dumping him. They were still able to get a pretty solid return with just one year left on Paul George's deal. So I think the, the Spurs will be able to get a better package than that for Kawhi. So it's mm-hmm. not like the Celtics can just offer Terry Rozier and like a, a future. I feel like that'll be the starting point. Cause you always, <laughs> a- afterwards when these deals get done, you always hear what Ainge offered first. And yeah. It's like an extreme low yeah. ball, but you know, there's, this is similar to Paul George in some ways because there's like this other, this whole like separate sphere of, you know, like controversy, I guess, spinning around this, whereas like Paul George talked down his own value over the course of a mm-hmm. year in the media Kawhi Leonard hasn't done it that way but it's kind of the same situation where like the Spurs do not hold a ton of leverage here just like the Pacers didn't really hold a ton of leverage so that means to me that like you're not gonna have to give up like the Kings pick Tatum Brown and Rozier or something like that like to me that's too much as good as Kawhi is that's way too much I think that if they're willing to include two of Tatum Brown Kings pick that gets it done yeah and I think that that would be fair I think that would be very fair. Uh, But I also wonder, you know, if you're the Celtics, you have all these assets and you can probably only make, I mean, can you make the Kawhi deal and then another big splash on the next guy that becomes available? Like, or do you have to save for like Anthony Davis? Like, are there factors that could lead them to just kind of pass on this option in in favor of just waiting it out knowing that they have you know gordon hayward Kyrie coming back next year like they're going to be loaded with or without Kawhi, and then they could be players in the free agent market Mm -hmm. in 2019 they could be still be in the mix if anthony davis gets unhappy in new orleans like i think that there's just a lot of factors beyond just what would it take to get Kawhi. it's like is this when we want to cash out these right. assets because Kawhi, you would think that before they would make that trade, they would get some sort of agreement from Kawhi's camp that he was going to stay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, the 
Thunder didn't get that from Paul George, obviously, and right. they still made the deal. So I I think that I mean if it if it was just Tatum and the Kings pick, do you say no if you're the Celtics? It depends. If, I mean, like if you the said, Spurs you say said, like you, that's it. Like, you're asking like, do you wait it out for a better option? And like my response to that is like. Yeah, the fact that Davis is kind of out there, you know, lingers in your mind. But, like, is there really that much better? Like, this is Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, this is a guy who a lot of people pick to be the preseason MVP. Well, you're – okay, say – all right, so who's all going to be out there in 2019? It's, like, Clay Thompson. Kevin um, Love. Um, Kevin Love. Uh, I mean, like, in theory, maybe LeBron if he goes one year, stuff like that. Yeah, so <sighs> – I mean, I don't know. I, I wonder what Clay's going to do. Because I wonder if, would you rather have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, the Kings pick, and Clay Thompson, or Jalen Brown and Kawhi Leonard? I mean, in, one, do we have any ind- indication that Clay wants to leave Golden State? You know, like, to I, me, don't I don't think so. I don't yeah, think so. Like, I don't think you can plan on that. No. Um, well, I mean, Melo opts just... out. He could be available this summer. <laughs> He'll be available in 2019. I'm j- just like, I mean, there are going to be uh, CP, isn't he? Or is he? I don't. I don't on know the what's going on with his season. contract. But like, I think he wants to probably sign long term. I think like the Celtics have to be viewed as like a top five free agent destination right now. So it's yeah. it's like there's well, which of their current guys are untradeable? Like, are you assuming that in any deal for like a Davis, you wouldn't trade Kyrie or Hayward? But is is Horford on the table? You might need him to match salaries. Uh, I mean, I. I think in a Davis deal, he's absolutely on the table. Yeah, I think everyone's on the table in the right deal, except for maybe Kyrie. Although with this, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens with the if if his if they think his stock is down just because of this the the knee issue. But um, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think that there's just so they have so many options, and they're all great options. And it's just right. picking which one's the best option. I mm-hmm. think the Spurs. Uh, just the way things are looking and the way things like it's clear that Kawhi wants to get traded, but I don't think the Spurs have to trade him. Like, I think that it's bad for his, it's bad for Kawhi's brand if he doesn't get traded and then just continues to be a malcontent in next season. Like he, he would have to come back and like make, make nice and bust ass because he, he's going to be up for that max deal after this right like and and honestly i could kind of see if there's one organization who would just let him sit out another full year if Kawhi just comes back and is like i'm not playing for you and the spurs are just like all right we're not trading you like they just did that this year and are still going to make the playoffs yeah like obviously that's not what they want to do but they're not just going to give in and it's part yeah part part of it is just sort of a well like screw you like we we helped like develop you into this player and like we've surrounded you with like a pretty damn good team like it's not like golden state but it's we, we've got a pretty good right. situation here and you don't want to play for us like we're not going to exactly. just make things easier and it's you, not so. like Kyrie, where you have lebron and it's like you you have this extreme pressure to win right now like this the Cavs yeah. had to deal with Kyrie because they couldn't just let him sit out mm-hmm. not that he was going to do that but right. there was a chance like they couldn't just play hardball they had to get something back and the spurs I mean, as much as they would want to get something back they're they're under no obligation to yeah. take 50 cents on the dollar for Kawhi, and right. i think you know, you don't have to trade them by the draft. You don't have to trade them by the end of July. Like this could go into next training camp at whatever point. If you're holding out for the Kings pick and Tatum and Jalen Brown, you know, though I think the Spurs will be prepared <laughs> well, to, to do that. That's not going to happen, though. I I mean, it's Kawhi Leonard. I get that. Like superstars have been traded for what seems like lesser value the last two years. And to me, yeah, you're right. I don't think it'll be that much. But like, 
I think that's what the Spurs will ask for. I don't think I, that's insane. Personally, to ask for. I would absolutely love it if the Spurs could somehow land a like top seven or eight pick in the coming years because I just I think it's so much more fascinating when smart teams draft high yeah. than when dumb teams do because it's just like oh wow they like that yeah. guy huh like oh that's cool Jason like, Tatum would be averaging like forty five a game if he was drafted by, <laughs> by San Antonio like it's just so lame when it's like who are the Kings going to take this year like right. they're going to screw it up somehow yeah, like exactly. it's like, way more fun when it's a smart team right and that's kind of the the thought behind all this lottery reform in some ways is like you should you should reward the teams that draft well although I think that would just kind of further the gap that's that's a discussion for another day. Uh, all right, we'll wrap this up. Um, any any baseball stuff that you want to plug this week or no? Nah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.